We all know what it is to find ourselves in a tight spot from time to time when your back is against the wall and you need some help. Isn't it wonderful to have a friend that you can call on and you know that they will come running as soon as possible to lend a hand? And we all need friends like that. We all need people in our lives that we know have our back when the going gets tough. But even if we struggle to find someone like that in this life, the scripture tells us, Proverbs 18, 24, kind of a theme verse for this series, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. And how true that is. But there is a friend, Solomon said, who sticks closer than a brother. And we know who he is, and he's on our side, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. Today I want to tell you about a friend like that, about a God who will never leave you or forsake you. Through every season and through every storm, through every test and every trial, in the good times, and yes, in the bad, we must know today that God's got your back. Can you say that with me today? God's got your back. Now this morning, I would like to take us to the Exodus account in your Bible, and if you have your Bibles, we will be all in through there. And through a powerful series of events, God's people end up in Egypt, and it all happened when a man by the name of Joseph had risen to prominence in this pagan land, and God used Joseph to interpret dreams and to harvest and store crops during years of plenty. And God used Joseph literally to save an entire region from severe seven years of famine. And for all of his efforts, Joseph's family, the Israelites, they were invited to come and live with him in Egypt in a little suburb called Goshen. And that's exactly what Joseph's father and his family did. They came and joined him there. And so you've got to understand that if it were not for Joseph... Literally, Egypt would have been wiped off the map. And so a great debt was owed to this man of God, but as time passes, the memory of Joseph's accomplishments fades. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 1 verse 8, now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And, and this new Pharaoh, with a blatant disregard for the past, he viewed the Israelites as a threat. And so Pharaoh, he he said, lest they multiply and end up fighting against us, let's afflict them. And he set over Israel taskmasters, and he gave them heavy workloads, and he made them slaves in the land of Egypt. But then there's this verse, a few verses later, Exodus 1 verse 12, it says, but the more that Egypt afflicted them, the more that Israel multiplied and grew and Egypt was grieved. They were perplexed. They had no idea what to do with this people that was favored of the Lord. As we've already discovered in this series, afflictions, everyone say afflictions, they are permitted by God, not for our detriment, but for our advancement. The more that Egypt and Pharaoh afflicted them, the more the people of God grew. And Egypt had no idea what to do with them. And so for many years, Israel was this slave nation until God turned it around in one night. And you know the story, perhaps, it's found in the book of Exodus in your Bible. And, and, and really, I just want to preach to us this morning about a God who is able to turn things around in our situations. And, and when God gets ready and when he decides to work, he doesn't need all kinds of time, but the Lord can bring an answer speedily. 
And those people of God in Egypt, they prayed and they lifted their voice to God for many years, for many centuries, in fact. But then one night, one day, their prayer, it reached the throne of God and God said, enough. I'm going to turn it and I'm going to change their circumstance. You know, you may be one more prayer away. One more lifted cry away from your deliverance. That's what Israel found out. And God revealed his power by smiting the Egyptians with his wonders, with those ten plagues. And, and Israel was set free. In one fell swoop, deliverance came. No longer were they slaves. And, and one small detail of the story, but I just think it's worth mentioning. I just think it's great. Perhaps my favorite part is that they didn't leave Egypt empty-handed. But the scripture tells us that they spoiled the Egyptians and they took their silver and their jewels and their gold and they took their fine garments. And, and I've heard it said that Israel literally received back pay for all of their slave labor in one day from God. 400 years of slavery, never getting their due, but God said, I'm going to pay you back for all that you've gone through. Not only will I deliver you, but how many know that God is a restorer of all of the years that we've lost and all the things that the enemy took for us wrongfully. The Lord is able to bring it back and restore. That's the God we serve. And so leading up to this day of deliverance, this exodus from Egypt, it certainly seemed impossible. And the prospect of freedom seemed beyond their grasp. But God is a prayer-answering God. And on the other side of it all, as Israel would look back many years on into the future and, and recall this Exodus story to future generations and to their children, I, I think really in my message this morning, their message to their children was, He made a way. Look at your neighbor and say, He made a way. When your back is against the wall, I've come to encourage you today to let you know that God's got your back and He can make a way where there seems to be no way. Somebody say amen. Now, allow me to hone in on just one component of Israel's deliverance story. And that is the crossing of the Red Sea. After being released by Pharaoh, the Lord led the Israelites in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so as they took their first steps out of Egypt, I, I, I can imagine this was quite a moment. Uh, just this, this, this pillar of fire in that night when they were first delivered, it just suddenly appears out of nowhere. And, and at the behest of Moses, perhaps, probably, they just started following after this pillar, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as they took their first steps out of Egypt. In fact, the Bible, it tells us, Exodus 13, 21 and 22 that the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day or by night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so this thing never left them. The pillar was with them every step of the journey. And you've got to understand that typically it would have been nearly impossible for a group to traverse such a hostile desert environment, especially when you consider that they were some two million strong, wandering through the wilderness, going to the Red Sea. For 40 years, eventually, they would wander. And, and it was this hot sun in the day, and, 
and the plummeting temperatures in the night that would have made a journey like this inhospitable, but that pillar was with them. That pillar was there every step of the way, and the psalmist tells us in Psalm 105 that that God spread a cloud for a covering, and he was fire to give them light in the night. And so not only was this pillar there to bring them direction, but this pillar was there to bring them protection. It shaded them from the hot sun, and, and it warmed them when those temperatures would drop in the evening. And whether by day or by night, God's people could move forward by the help of God. They weren't just traveling during the day when the sun was shining, but, but how many know that they made forward progress even in the night season? They were able to move forward because God was with them, enabling every step of this journey. That's the God we serve. And this pillar, you know this, but it was a literal manifestation, a, a type, a shadow, if you will, of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit was there leading them. God, God's Spirit was there protecting them. And I would say to us that it has never been God's will or desire to bring us out of bondage and then leave us on our own to figure it out. But how many know that God desires to lead us and guide us by His Spirit each and every day? They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the children of God. And so it's not just leaving Egypt. It's not just getting the world out of our lives. It's allowing the Spirit to walk with us and guide us and direct us and speak to us every day. God was leading the way as that pillar And so it reasons, and it's obvious that because of this, God planned the route. The Israelites, they didn't take out a map, and they didn't take a vote. This was not some democratic endeavor, but but they just had to keep their eyes on that pillar and, and follow after it, no matter where it led. They didn't determine their own direction. God did. And because of this, we read this, this passage, Exodus 13, 17 through 18, and, and, and this is what God did for them. It came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, although that was the convenient route, the obvious route, the easy route, perhaps, God didn't lead them the way that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war. And then they're going to return to Egypt. I don't want to see that happen. So, so God, verse 18, led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Everyone say wilderness. Everyone say Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. You see, if Israel would have charted their own course, and if we would have been there, and if we would have been charting our own course, we would have likely chosen the shorter route. We would have likely chosen the paved roads. We would have likely chosen what seemed obvious to us. I think we all would be there. I think we all would do that. But if we would have done that, if they would have done that, they would have faced battles that they were not ready for. And God knew that they were not ready. And God knew that they would have retreated so fast. And so he led them on a longer way. And it just so happens that this longer way was in the wilderness. The wilderness is not convenient. The wilderness 
doesn't have roadways. The wilderness doesn't have wells along the journey. It doesn't seem like a good choice, God, for you to lead me in this path, in this season. It doesn't make sense. But how many know that the Lord, he is able to make a way in the wilderness. And and we serve a God that can cause rivers to spring up in desert places. And so we got to trust God even when we're wandering and walking through the less obvious wilderness way. The less obvious wilderness way. I'll say to us today, if you allow God to direct your steps, expect to be led at times on paths that seem unnecessarily long and unnecessarily inconvenient. And just remember that God knows what he is doing because God can see those ambushes on the other path. If they would have gone that closer route, he knew that it was along the territory of the Philistines and they would have been opposed and fought. He knew that there would have been Egyptian outpost encampments along that road and and they would have faced opposition and turned back. So God said, I know what I'm doing. I'm strengthening your faith muscles. It takes resistance sometimes, and and it takes opposition and adversity at times, but, but I know what I'm doing. I'm getting you where I want you to go because I don't want you to just begin this journey. I don't want you to just see the plagues and see the deliverance and take a few steps in freedom and then go right back to where I brought you from. That's not not a win in God's mind. That's not a win for us. I want you to make it all the way. I want to take you on to the promised land. I want to take you on all the way to glory. And so, so trust me as you look to that pillar and I lead you along the way of the wilderness. God could see what Israel could not see along the shorter, obvious route. And God can see what we cannot see along the obvious and perhaps shorter and easier routes. God, why couldn't it have gone this way? And why couldn't it have turned out like this? God, why? But God sees what we cannot. And so God calls upon us to trust Him. How many know we've got to trust God in this journey? And when it doesn't seem like it's working out or it doesn't seem like it's convenient or doesn't even seem like it's good, we've got to trust him. The psalmist, he said, in a famous popular passage of scripture, Psalm 23, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We may not always understand why we're on our particular path, but we can know that God's ways are always righteous or or we can know that God's ways are always right because the Lord, He does all things well. Not some things, not some of the time, but all the time, all things, the Lord does it well. I think the psalmist, I think David knew this, but guess what uh, David also understood? He He understood that sometimes those right paths, those righteous paths are not always easy paths because sometimes they are the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. But he understood also that even if it was valley, shadow, and death, it was God who was leading him on that path. And so, therefore, it was a righteous path. Therefore, it was a right path. And furthermore, God's not going to abandon me here in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to make it through this. Because he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's why. Because I have the promise of his presence. For thou art with me. 
and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The road may not always be easy. And it may be long sometimes. And it may be valley of the shadow of death. But take heart, child of God. Understanding that his paths are right. And his presence is with you all the way. And we might as well go to his last verse in Psalm 23, verse 6, where he said, Surely goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me. Everyone say, they're going to follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No matter where I walk, no matter how difficult or challenging, I have this understanding. God's got my back. I've got goodness and mercy flanking me at the rear. They're my rear guard. They're, they're bringing me through this. God is not going to abandon me or forsake me no matter where this life takes me. Clap your hands for a moment if you believe that today and just shout and, and say, I know God's got my back. So the Lord, in the form of this pillar, we already read it, he leads Israel through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. That's in Exodus 13. At the beginning of Exodus 14, God tells them to set up camp right there along the shore. So, so they're going to stop. They're actually going to, they're actually going to take, take a rest, if you will, and, and stop moving, and they're going to set up camp right along the shore. And, and I know we know the whole story, and we know the end from the beginning. We know the miracle that's about to come. But imagine being Israel right now, because they have no idea about parting waters. They, they have no idea about dry ground. And so we've just left Egypt, and now you're telling us to just make camp in the wilderness right in front of a barrier. This makes no sense. Between Israel and their promise, impeding their progress, bringing them to, to a screeching halt, is this Red Sea. And God brought them here. God did this. God leads them out of bondage right to a blockade. God brings them out of slavery, but now they are stuck. This doesn't make sense. And to add insult to injury, Pharaoh gets wind of all of this, and the fact that Israel is now a sitting duck, not too far from his doorstep, and Pharaoh realizes that his free slave labor is just a, a short distance away from him, and, and he has a change of heart. He decides to pursue. And again, I'll say it doesn't make sense. Moments like these, they leave us scratching our heads, and we ask, why, God? Why? Why did you bring me here? Maybe you've asked questions like this. Why do I feel trapped by my circumstance? I was doing your will. I was living for you. I was trying my best to follow where your spirit was leading me. I was just looking at that pillar the whole time. And here I am, trapped. Why would you allow what seems to be the end of the road, God? Why do I feel stuck in my situation? And here's the question for all of us to consider today. What do you do when the one you were looking to for direction has led you to a dead end? What do we do when it seems that God, not us, not our own stupidity or bad choices, but, but what do we do when God has allowed us to encounter impossibility and there is no obvious avenue of escape? Allow me to encourage us today. When you feel stuck, here are some things you must do. 
First, you must remember. Everyone say remember. you got to remember that God has brought you to this place, and it is for a purpose. God brought you here. And again, if he did it, if he brought you here, it's a right path. And so somewhere in the midst of this, there's purpose. In fact, God told Moses, and I love this, Exodus 14, 2. God said, order the Israelites to turn back and camp between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore. Stop. You're going to stay still for a while. And then verse 3, then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. The Israelites are trapped in the wilderness. Verse 4, and once again, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. That word sometimes, it can be rendered as strengthen. I'm, I'm going to give Pharaoh a newfound resolve to pursue after you. He's going to chase you, Moses. He's going to chase you, people of God. But I have planned this. Everyone say, God planned this. God planned this. And it's in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. And after this, the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. And so the Israelites, they camped there as they were told. You see, God planned the setback. we got to get it today. God planned the setback. Furthermore, God planned the advancement of the enemy. That really doesn't make sense to our minds. In fact, the route that God had selected, it was serving to entice Pharaoh to pursue Israel. It was a part of his plan all along. Pharaoh was was playing right into the Lord's trap, if you will, that was set to destroy the enemy and advance the people of God. So I'll say again that you are in this place for a purpose. And we must never forget, as long as we're keeping our eyes on that pillar and following in the will of God, we've got to understand that everything that happens to us, it must serve God's ultimate purpose. In fact, even when we have missteps and miscues along the way, if we'll bring them to the foot of the cross and to the throne of Jesus, he's able to even make those things work according to his purpose. For we know, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to whose purpose? His purpose. God has a purpose in whatever we're walking through. Somehow, some way, this setback is going to work for my good and God's going to get the glory and that's all right with me. If, if, if Egypt's going to know, if, if his name's going to be exalted, I'm all right walking through some difficulty because I know God's in charge. I know he's in charge. Secondly, I'll hasten. We must keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Now, Israel's first mistake when all of this was happening and they're stuck in front of the Red Sea and they see Pharaoh coming behind, their first mistake was to take their eyes off of the pillar and start looking at their enemy. If they would have kept that pillar in view, it would have, it would have served, I believe, as a constant reminder. Okay, God brought me here. I don't understand what he's doing, but God brought me here. I'm in his hands, and since God brought me here, I understand he, what he begins, he backs. We've, we've talked about that. If God begins the journey, he backs us all the way. Bible says, Exodus 14, 10, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel, they lifted up their eyes. They took their eyes off of the pillar and behold, the Egyptians. They looked at the Egyptians and how they marched after them and they were sore afraid. I'll say again, I'm, I'm repeating this in this series a bit, but their fear was a result of their focus. They got their eyes off the pillar. 
They took their eyes off the Lord. And when you do that, we have this, this tendency as human beings to imagine the worst possible case scenario. Anybody like that? Maybe we need some more Ecclesiastes teaching in the near future, you know. It's easy to be pessimistic. Israel started assuming that they were going to die. That's what they thought. Israel even began to regret leaving Egypt. This was the first of many times that they would do that throughout their wilderness wanderings. They would start longing for the days of Egypt. They started looking back at bondage and slavery thinking that that was better than following God. Were there not enough graves in Egypt, Moses? Did you have to bring us to the wilderness to die? Didn't we tell you, Moses, just leave us alone? Didn't we tell you that it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness? See, when the walls are closing in and we feel trapped by impossible circumstances, we must not make the mistake of looking back longingly at Egypt, thinking about all the the, the best things of Egypt and forget all the rest that is horrible. How often do we do that? We, we remember the, the melons, the leeks, they did this, all the food that was in Egypt, never mind the whips and never mind the taskmasters and never mind the bricks that you had to make day in and day out with no break. You were a slave. You were conformed to the whims and the will of your taskmaster, but not today. You're free today. And I know that sometimes it's a wilderness and it's hard and it's difficult, but you're free. You're free. You're no longer a slave anymore. So we can't look back at Egypt and think that that was better because the worst day in the church, in the kingdom of God, is better than the best day in Egypt. I'd rather have the lowest position in the kingdom of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just make me a doorkeeper. Just, just give me some job in the kingdom. I'm just glad to be in the church. Come on, you're free today. You're free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. And so you choose what you focus on in your adversity. You can take your eyes off of the pillar and you can look back at Egypt if you want to, but, but we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And finally, point number three, you've got to do this. If you feel stuck in a circumstance today, you've got to let God fight for you. You've got to let God fight your battles. In response to their concern, in response to them saying, we should have just been left alone, Moses. Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. There's not even going to be a chance that they can afflict you again in the future because I am going to break the back of your taskmasters. I'm going to break the back of this Egyptian regime and you're not going to see them again. What's troubled you up to today, I'm going to take care of that for you. Moses said, the Lord is going to fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Stop whining, stop complaining, stop bellyaching, stop talking longingly about Egypt. Just hold your peace and watch God fight your battle. I think Moses, he said, Israel, calm down. Keep calm and carry on. 
Because the same God that directed you to this place, if he was able to to bring you this far along in the journey, if God could do it to now, why do you think that he's done with you right here? If he could bring signs and wonders and plagues that, that literally broke the will of that Pharaoh, if he could do all of that, do you think that he stopped having miraculous power to take you on all the way? Calm down because the same God that brought you here, he's able to fight for you. And God is going to completely eradicate the Egyptians and you will see them again no more forever. Music, you can join me. I think I'm coming in for a close here. You've got to understand the the tension of this moment because Israel has nowhere to go. They are stuck in every sense of the word. They're stuck. And all they see is an impassable Red Sea on one side and an approaching Egyptian army on the other. They are between a rock and a hard place in every sense of the phrase. It looks like it's over. But just watch God. Just watch the Lord work. Now we always talk about God parting the Red Sea and making a way through the waters, and he did. But can I tell you that before the waters parted, there was another miracle that took place? And these scriptures, i got to tell you, they really were the inspiration for the whole series. So here we go. Exodus 14, 19, and 20. The Bible says that in their moment of most dire need, that the angel of God which had went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And that pillar that they've been looking to for direction, that pillar of cloud that went from before their face, it left that forward-facing position, and it likewise stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And this is another thing that's amazing. We've already read how how it was a pillar of cloud by day and then a pillar of fire by night. But something unique happens here that I don't know ever happens again in all of their wilderness wanderings. The Bible says that it was actually a cloud of darkness to them, to the enemy. But it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all through that night as they would eventually walk through the seabed of the Red Sea. Maybe for the only time ever, it was both cloud and fire simultaneously. It it brought light to them to, to be that light for their path as they walked on through. But it was darkness and confusion to Egypt and to Pharaoh. And it stood between them and their enemy. And so before those waters parted and before God made a way out, God reminded them, hey, I've got your back in this. I've not forsaken you. I'm not done working here. But just watch me stand behind you and become that barrier and that protection. Pharaoh, you can come this far, but no farther. I've got to remind somebody that, that God has the enemy on a leash. And he will take not one step closer to you or to your family other than what God says he is permitted to. Job found that out. God said, hey, you you can, he's in thine hand. You can do what you want to Job, but you're not allowed to take his life. So you can come this far, but no farther. I've got you on a leash. I'm in control. I've got Job's back in this. 
that pillar. It was a light to God's people. It was cloud of darkness and confusion to the enemy. And with the pillar at their back, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. And this is the miracle we all know. The waters part and it becomes dry land. And as they begin stepping into their miracle, you know what happens. Egypt follows them into the seabed, but not one step closer because that pillar, it moved with them. You study it. That pillar moved with them, and it was that barrier the whole way through. And you see, it had to happen just like this. As far as I'm concerned, there was no... I mean, he's God. He can do what he wants, but, but this was the way it had to happen in order for Israel to be delivered and Egypt to be defeated. Israel had to be stuck for a while. It had to happen that way so that Pharaoh would be enticed. God had to allow the enemy to get close for Israel to maybe sweat a little bit, you know, before he parted those waters. It was all a part of God's plan to eradicate Egypt. And we see that God's timing is perfect. But even in the heat of the moment, God said, don't worry about it. I've got your back. I'm fighting for you. And I'm going to walk with you through the journey. So all through the night, Israel is walking in miracle territory. It's not comfortable walking in miracle territory, but we get to see the hand of God at work in miracle territory. And yes, the enemy is on their tail, but God is backing them up all the way. Verse 24, Exodus 14. Came to pass that in the morning watch that the Lord looked unto the host of Egypt of the Egyptians through the pillar. What does that mean? You read Psalm 77, and the psalmist lets us know that God caused rain to fall from that cloud. And so it was the pillar, it was God's Spirit that, that led them, that empowered them, that backed them up, that caused the Egyptians to be defeated. It was, it was that pillar, it was God every step of the way. And by the time Egypt realized what was going on, it was too late. They wanted to retreat, but now the ground was muddy and their chariot wheels were stuck, and God had the enemy right where he wanted them. And as Israel took their last few steps out of that seabed, God sent those waters crashing back into place, wiping out the enemy, never to be seen again. That's the God we serve today. Come on, He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He looked at, at what looked like an impossible circumstance and He said, No problem. I've got this, I've got your back. And so when God leads you to the shore of the Red Sea in the middle of a wilderness and the enemy is hot on your tail, it's easy to question, is God really good? It's easy to question, is God really in control? But be encouraged today. God's got my back. All I've got to do is keep my eyes on Him and focus on that pillar and trust Him that He will fight my battles for me. I close with this scripture. Paul said in the New Testament, there hath no temptation, or we could say trial, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. How many know that to be true today? But God is faithful, and he will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. And with the temptation, with the trial, with the impossibility, he will also make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. 
How many know that he is a God that can make a way where there is no way? God can open a door. God can part waters and cause us to walk through on dry ground. Stand together with me this morning. Come on, lift your voice for a moment. I feel the presence of the Lord here. Come on, church, just lift your voice today. Because the same God that could do it for them, if he can make a way for them, he can make a way for somebody today. Raise your hands all across the sanctuary today and lift your voice with faith, with assurance. And can we just do it with a little bit of just a little bit of strength behind your voice if you would lift it to the Lord like a trumpet right now. God, I know that you are with me. I know that you are for me. I know that you've not forsaken me. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, just pray for another moment. Just pray for another moment right here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Come on, you show me one thing he can't do. You show me a mountain that he can't move. He is the God of the breakthrough. You show me one thing that's too hard. You show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yes, 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 yes. If somebody has come to church today and you need an open door, you're staring down impassable waters and it feels like the enemy's hot at your tail and you need God to make a way for you. Come on, we've all got something or somebody that we can bring to the Lord and say, God, I'm trusting you with what looks impossible. Can you step out of your seat today and bring that passion and that prayer with you and lift your hands heavenward, trusting and knowing that God can make a way. So as you come, come on, lift your voice again in faith, believing he is working. He is working. Well, we're bringing all kinds of needs to you this morning. We're, we're walking in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, maybe. But, Lord, I trust and I know that I'm going to make it through this because thou art with me and goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you would, just lift whatever you've got, whatever strength you have. Can you just lift all of it to the Lord right now? Lift your prayer. Lift your prayer to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You might be one prayer away from God saying enough. Enough of the enemy having too much rule and reign in that situation. I'm going to take care of it today.